Welcome to Unscripted Real Estate, where our main goal is educating and informing future and current homeowners, guided by our experience and deep compassion to mortgage lending. Unscripted Real Estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. Without Icon Mortgage, the show does not go on. Thank you all listeners and future listeners for joining Unscripted Real Estate in our first time homebuyer series. I'm your inquisitive host, Ryan Davis, joined by compassionate industry leading professionals, Summer Kim Davis. Hello. And John Lucas. Hey, hey. So much cooler. I know. I'm still working on yours. Make it happen. (laughs) Please. In episode four, we talked about important factors to evaluate when searching or selecting a real estate agent as a first-time homebuyer. Some key takeaways were narrow down your realtor options based on knowledge, experience, desired area, one who understands your needs and expectations, and a good personality fit with the team approach. Once you've chosen a desired realtor, commit to them, meet buyer etiquette standards, and trust their expertise. Listening to a realtor's perspective is something we thought would be valuable as well. So we have something special for you today. That's right. Today we invited a few agents we work with to join the discussion so you can hear from them directly and uh, for their advice and perspective for first-time home buyers. So we have Dave and Shalia on our show today, and they work with many home buyers, and we love working with uh, they love working with first-time home buyers, and we absolutely value and trust their experience and insight. All right. So first off, I'd like to introduce author of Selling Secrets You Can't Afford to, to Miss and a realtor with Texas Urban Living Realty, Shalia Scarborough-Williams. And also realtor. Hello, hello. Oh, hey, Shalia, there hey. you are. <laughs> And then a realtor with Biggs Realty, having 26 years in corporate negotiation experience, which moved to Texas about um, in 2014 from Southern California, David Novak. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, both Dave and Shalia. Um, I'm sure you guys could relate. Um, you know, there's a lot of advice that you could provide to first time home buyers. There's so many topics that we could discuss today. So we tried to focus on things that are simple and can make a large impact to the end result, um, and make the process much smoother. So question one, I'm so I'll, I'll go to David first on question one, so he could address first, uh, looking through the lens of a buyer when choosing a realtor, it could be confusing to differentiate a good from a bad realtor. What advice can you provide to make this easier or at least just eliminate the really bad apples? Sure. You know, I guess I always ask them, what kind of buyer is it? I know we're looking at first-time buyers, but a lot of first-time buyers are also investors. So with the two types of buyers, investors and individuals or families, 
that are looking for the perfect home and community to raise their children in, um, there are some key traits that you want to look for. So, but however, with investors, you know, it's very transactional engagement. And typically the number one thing for them is return on investment. However, with individuals or families, it's typically much more emotional. However, it's still the most important investment that they're likely ever going to make. So regardless, though, of what type of buyer you are, you're going to want a realtor that demonstrates some very key traits. And some of these traits obviously include, and by no way is this in a particular order, uh, that one, their experience. How many transactions have they had? How long have they been in the business? And how much of their current business comes from referrals? That's a pretty good indicator um, of their professionalism in the market and how they're seen by uh, their clients. Now, they should also be able to demonstrate a clear knowledge of the overall market, specifically in areas that you're most interested in purchasing in. You know, do they present themselves with confidence and good communication skills? You know, these are typically great negotiators as well. And believe me, you want a good negotiator on your side. Accessibility, you know, can you reach your realtor? When can you expect your, your realtor to call you back if you're unable to reach them the first time? You know, do they set a clear and reasonable expectations related to how you're going to interact with them throughout the process? And with that said, you know, there are additional traits that individuals outside of just investors and family buyers that should pay special attention to. And those would include likability, compatibility and the ability to, edu uh, to educate uh, their clients, especially if they're a first-time buyer. Now, this is a relationship where back-and-forth communication is the key, and you need to feel comfortable asking questions as well as receiving feedback. You need to trust that your realtor has your back and your best interests at hand. Now, others would be relationships. And what I mean here is third-party relationships. For example, with mortgage lenders like Icon Mortgage or title companies, home inspectors, roofers, foundation companies, plumbers, and the like. And these folks may be critical in helping the process run smooth to its conclusion. How quickly are they able, are they able to bring in third-party resources during the transaction? And lastly, and I must reemphasize the importance of proactive communications. You know, silence during the offer and contract process is particularly torturous. And you want to know your realtor is keeping you in loop, even if there's nothing much to report. Just that phone call that everything's still moving forward um, could mean the world to a buyer. So, you know, getting back to your original question, how do you tell the good from the bad? Well, you know, it comes down to interviewing more than one realtor. Dig into the things that I just mentioned and go with whom you're most comfortable with. After all, you'll be spending a lot of time with this person and at the end of the day, it's about your dreams, you know, your investment, your family, and your time. So you need to know that the realtor you choose has nothing but your best interest at hand. And that's probably the best way I could answer that question. Okay. Thank you, David. Uh, how about you, Shalia? I mean, I can just tag on to everything he said. I mean, it's not only the best way to answer that question, but truly it's the only way to answer that question. Um, not only are the hard skills like negotiation, contract management, and team management very important, vendor management, the soft skills, the relationship. Do they speak to your 
to you. You know, everyone speaks in different languages. Do you need a realtor that's strong, stern, um, communicative only when needed to? Or do you like an over-communicated reader, you know, uh, realtor? So, I mean, there's so many different things, but um, I would say to stay true to who you are in your core, um, trust your instincts on who is going to get the job done. Absolutely do your homework on the realtor. Look through the Trek website. Look on um, wherever you get your Googles. I mean, your reviews, Google review, Zillow review, realtor.com if they're reviewing you. Just do your research on the person and their referral system is absolutely key because no one refers someone that they don't work well with, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I would tag on to everything that he said and just to know that do your research. I always say do three, do three for everything. Do three interviews. You know, if you got to do second interviews, this is a huge purchase for you. You have to be comfortable and know that communication style is key and that's just knowing yourself so make sure that they know the market that you're looking to buy in and make sure that they're a person of integrity so you're going to do your absolute best to do the research and use your use your gut use your gut use your gut and your friends how about that (laughs) <laughs> I, I like one thing that, that you said, actually, Shalia, that, that the Trek website, that's the Texas Real Estate Commission, for those that don't know, you can look up history of, of a realtor. You can do some due diligence, and it's a public, you know, mm-hmm. it's for this purpose, you know, and you can see how long people have been in the business, if they have any issues that have come up. So that's a, that's a great point right. as well. I, I didn't think of that one. Yes, everything is definitely in line with what with what we have discussed so it's comforting to hear uh you guys with that same opinion um so moving on to question number two and i'll go to shalia first with this one what is the most common misunderstanding a buyer discovers after they have committed to an agent as they are trying to locate the best property for them oh wow probably that they're not as knowledgeable as they once thought that they were and it's probably because they didn't do their due diligence and researching them as an agent. Um, a lot of things, especially when you're starting out new, it's always kind of to be overconfident, but I lead with honesty. I'm the agent that if I don't know, I don't know. I don't want you to think that because I, I don't know that to lose trust in me, but trust me to know that if I don't know, I'm going to find out. You have your brokers for a reason. You have team leads for a reason. Use your resources, especially a lot of those people who use family members, you know, just to quote unquote, help them out, right? Get them some sales. But I would say that's probably the biggest misunderstanding with um, a lot of people is they find out later that they didn't know or because they didn't know and they weren't really following up, they probably missed something in the process. But that's that's the only thing I could think of. Anything else, and it could just be for me because I'm one of those analytical realtors. You know, I'm dotting every I and crossing every T. That's the only thing I could think of. What about you, Dave? Well, Shalia, I I back that up as well. I mean, certainly um, the expectation is is a key component here. You know, one one thing that I find from an expectation standpoint, which is kind of interesting, is a first-time first-time buyers in particular, almost sometimes expect that you could make a decision for them in many cases. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, 
which house should they buy for specifically how much under what specific terms? You know, realtors can advise you based on their knowledge, the market, and area, providing they don't break any fair housing laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, you as a buyer need to make the final decision based on your personal situation and tolerance, especially when it mm-hmm. comes to price. You know, many times, many times this will depend on, you know, what the buyer is looking for as well, or maybe I just say, think what they're looking for at the time when they start and whether or not it's a buyer or seller's market. So I think all those things kind of fold in. So when we look at, you know, what are people looking for and then how expectations change, you know, are they looking for a fixer upper, but then ultimately they start looking at some of these houses and it's more than they actually are willing to take on or new construction thinking uh, and then not realizing how long the timeline may be from, you know, dirt to finished construction or the financial requirements or um, the extent of customizations and upgrades. And then are they in the market for a pre-existing home and how do their expectations change in that process? And, you know, what they learn from the standpoint of potential maintenance costs. So where maybe the expectation is we're going to go find a fixer upper or a pre-existing home, but then when they get into it and start looking at some of the seller's disclosures, you know, they may say, wow, that's more maintenance than I want to take on as a new buyer. Maybe new construction is, is the way to go. And, you know, as realtors, you know, you, Julia and I, you know, we specialize in helping people buy brand new construction as well as, uh, you know, existing homes. So I think a misconception that a lot of buyers have is, you know, we only help people purchase pre-existing homes. You know, we're an incredible asset in helping you negotiate and figure out what new construction is available out there as well and help you Absolutely. through that process. Yeah, and, and you have to have a realtor during your construction too. So that's another thing that people are like. Oh, well, I don't need anything. I just went and bought a house. Mm-hmm. That's you right. You still need us. You still need us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think you know we're in a really tough market right now. It's absolutely a, a seller's market, and I think I've had a lot of first-time buyers that are kind of blown away by you know where in the past. It was a situation where, you know, uh, you could take your time on making some of these decisions. Homes stayed on the market a little bit longer. So one of the, I think, expectations that has been widely adjusted lately is the need to make quick and concise decisions. Because if you don't, you're not going to get that house. Yeah. Um, so, so that's another. you got to be in position. And I, I think... You know, having this podcast with Icon Mortgage is, is really key because you really need to have all your ducks in a row to enter today's market. Yes, you need you. to have your pre-qualification ready to go. You need to be able to make that decision as soon as you find that perfect home for you. Yeah. Um, so I think expectation-wise, it's a much quicker um, environment than we've seen lately. You were so in my head, like I was just thinking, like I have to do something to understand. Like I have two clients right now. Sorry to off track a little bit. No, two clients right now, and I'm like, listen, it's not about looking at houses. I don't have the capacity in my schedule to look, quote unquote, at a house that you're not qualified for. You might think, and this was actually going to be my next post. You might think that you're ready, but what does your bank say? 
because we all have the capacity to pay rent. You know, rent is sometimes as high as a mortgage, but that doesn't mean that you can just go out here and start looking for houses. You need to get pre-qualified. It's maddening. And you got to be ready. Like, sellers aren't letting people in their houses just to look around. They have a goal in mind, and you have a goal to buy in mind. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, it's so hard. Like, come on, people, can't (laughs) pre-qualify. Must do that. Yeah, Yeah, respect. And, you know, the realtor can't pre-qualify you. You Exactly. Only the mortgage broker could do that. Exactly. And so now the process may start with the realtor. It may start with the mortgage broker. However, the relationship between those two are critical. And so when folks come to me and they want to buy a house today, I need to know I can refer them to a, a company that I know I have great communications with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when we do find that house, we can immediately um, you know, get the proper pre-qualification letters. Um, you know, that communication between the, the agent and the mortgage broker uh, is critical from day one to closing of that contract. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be continuous and open. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on to question number three, kind of, kind of similar, but um, I think we're going to get a different response from you guys. And we'll go with uh, David again on this one for, for number one, what is the biggest expectation buyers most often change as they begin viewing homes? In some ways, we kind of hit that, right? Yeah. But I, I think, um, keep it short, price point, you know, you may start at a certain price point and when you get into the market, um, the expectation of what you can get for that may change. You know, maybe up or down, but I think most important thing is always take a look at that so you're not mortgage poor either. So um, your expectation on what you could afford, depending on what area you're looking in, et cetera, um, often changes. Um, often the area in which you're looking. So as a realtor is able to take you and show you different areas throughout a county, a city, you know, you're exploring the area. And there may be areas that you've never even thought of before. And so your expectation of maybe where you want to live may change um, and those expectations. And then also amenities. So you may start off with the expectation of wanting a pool. However, there's so many great HOAs out there with incredible resort style type pools. Maybe the pool now isn't as important to you. So that's going to change your whole expectation on kind of the amenities that you want within your own home, but also maybe within the community that you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tag on to that. Those are all the things that I would have hit. But sometimes you go in adamant that you don't even want an HOA. And then you're like, oh, well, it's only $100, yeah. you know, or, exactly. oh, well, you know, well, it only adds X, Y, Z. So and I think that changes, too. And as you're, you and your realtor start to explore different areas, different things have different value. You may have started out with your cute little concept of, I just want a little three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,600-square-foot home. So, you know what? I need a split floor plan. I really like the kitchen. I want it completely upgraded. Can I add this? Your bathroom starts to make a little bit difference once where you could 
you know, like, oh no, a bathroom is a bathroom. And then you saw the bathroom of your dreams and now that becomes a priority. So, you know, things kind of change and you can still get that bathroom, but in another neighborhood. And now you're 15 miles away from where you wanted to be. Being close to work was, dadgummit, we're going to be close to work and that's it. So, oh, well, maybe the 30 minute commute's not that bad. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's yep. like things just start to change as you start to fall in love with little things about pieces of a home that you really didn't think that would mean so much to you, but ultimately it does. Um, yard, you know, a lot of people don't want a yard. Now they want a big yard with a pool and now they want to <laughs> grill every Thursday. Well, yep. you didn't know that happened until you know, you started exploring different areas and different homes and structures and mother-in-law plans and things of that nature. So I think that's one of the things that truly changes. They go from this cute budget friendly concept to it's a house, it's a commitment. This is what I want and this is what I'm going to get. So really, it sounds like they need to keep, you need to have a pretty open and clear, or or excuse me, open mind to looking at some things that are maybe not yeah. on your, your list, right? So Yeah. Interesting. So if I'm out showing, you know, more than 10 properties a day, I always kind of just throw one in there if we have mm-hmm. the time that I think mm-hmm. that will kind of match. But it may be so far off their radar. And sometimes, honestly, that's the one they end up picking right. because yeah. they that's didn't think that they wanted it. You know, and they were like, why didn't we see this? And I was like, well, it was on the list. It had all the qualities. I just didn't know why they skipped over it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's usually the one. We always got to throw a wild card in there just yeah. because sometimes you don't know what you want. And I feel like that's part of our expertise. And as long as we're sticking within their core priorities and pricing, there's really no harm in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so right, Julia. You know, it's also really a, an educational process, you know, when you're a realtor educating your first-time buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you start looking through and looking at all these separate homes, you do come across things that um, maybe you didn't know when you started your search. You know, we, yeah. we talked about the HOA situation. You know, some people, like you said, will start off, I absolutely don't want to be in an HOA. Well, what does that mean? Um, well, you know, are you aware that HOAs typically will bring better values for the home because there's better conformity to the neighborhood? You know, who mm-hmm. wants to live next to that bright pink, house that just got painted with um, purple that, trim yeah with purple trim exactly <laughs> exactly right? awesome. or the or the huge rv on the side of the house or the cars on the jacks in the driveway um however if you're in an hoa and you're someone who let's go back to an rv want to be able to park your rv at home or have it parked in front of your house for a couple of days your hoa might not allow that so yeah, it's true. really important to really understand you know, based on the type of community you go into HOA or non-HOA, what that means. And that may change your expectation of of what ultimately you end up looking for at the end. Absolutely. So I'm going to move on to the next question here. And um, I'm sure this is one that you've never heard before, right? So why should I buy over rent? Um, you know, I don't have to pay my maintenance right now in my rental, you know, so what do I expect? Um, and what should I expect when I own a home? Well, I can answer that just from a completely personal standpoint. And, and as a long time renter for quite a while, 
a lot of it is just disability. Um, mm-hmm. We, and for me, honestly, this is so petty, but I hate going to get my driver's license information changed. Like, mm-hmm. just give me an address that I just want to stay there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing, I mean, with, I know. I'm like, good Lord. And you got to make appointments and then they forget and they don't put you in there. Anyway, that's my home issue. But they, um, I really think that it's a point of stability. We talk time and time and time and time again about money management. And a lot of that is rent goes up. It does not go down. Um, now, granted, your property taxes may go up, but overall, that's securing your stake in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, with your home, um, I tell people all the time, there's so many things you can do with your home, whether you want to get a HELOC, if we're still doing those in 2021, 2023, whatever. But, you know, you can start businesses. Your home is one of your biggest investments that continues to pay you. With renting, you're continuing to pay someone else's investment. Mm -hmm. And for some, honestly, that might be perfectly fine with you. But for the majority of us, we like to have our own, especially here in Texas. We love Texans. Texans love Texas, and Texans love their stuff. (laughs) So we got to have our piece of the pie, okay? So... That's rule number one, and that's my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. you're so dead on there, Julia. I mean, it's, it's stability, right, and pride of ownership. Um, not to mention, you could have as many dogs as you want um, at your own home. Right, without pet rent. Right. Um, and deposits. <laughs> pet rent, deposits, all those good things. So, you know, you, you, you get so much from owning a home if you're in a position to own a home. And, you know, it's, you know, you get the tax benefits right off your interest, which brings down your overall cost for the year for that particular property, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it, as far as what you mentioned, uh, your cost in rent may go up year over year, but if you have a fixed mortgage, that's your mortgage cost for 30 years. Um, so there, those are all advantages. There's tons of resources out there on the Internet that goes uh, rent versus buying and calculators that you could put to work to really determine whether or not you're in a position to be better off versus renting versus buying. Now, probably one of the things that, that does, you know, would maybe make it a little more difficult to be in a position to buy certainly would be how long do you plan to be there? So if you're someone who needs to be able to relocate quickly, um, maybe a mortgage isn't a good option for you. But if you're, if you know you're going to be staying in an area for a while, there's nothing like that stability uh, that you get from owning a home, you know, as, as you said. Uh, now I always tell my clients, and I'm surprised how many clients I've had in the past that, you know, said, Dave, I'm just not in a position to buy a home. Mm. I need to rent. I put them in contact with John, and John works up numbers, and it turns out there's more often than not, they are in a position to go purchase That's so true. that or they're in a position where they just need to do a few things over a six month period of time, let's say, that puts them in the position to own. And and so I, I think just making the assumption that, that you can't go and buy a home, um, don't make that assumption. Talk to a mortgage broker and find out whether or not this is really a possibility for you. Yeah, and they make it seem like it's so scary, and it, it's it's really not that scary. I think it's that that fear of rejection, but yeah, 
delay is not denial. Like you said, sometimes it's like six months, you know, and we've seen how quickly six months can fly by. So absolutely, if it's a goal and how fun is it to work towards something if you need to, you know, but I I think a lot of that, you hit it on the head because it's just fear. It's a little bit of a fear because if you could afford this in Texas, renting, you should get to a cute little house. For real, yeah, because yeah. another thing, mm-hmm. like you were mentioning, it's like, you know, people think they're not paying for maintenance and, you know, in renting, but you are, it's in your rent, you know, and, and the, the cost of things yep. that you do in your house are not that great, to be honest, you know, there, it's not, I mean, depending on what happens and when it happens, but you're not paying it monthly, you're paying it when it happens, so, you know. Well, you know, John, also, you know, when you're paying rent, what are you really doing? You're paying the landlord's mortgage. Yeah. Why not pay your exactly. own mortgage? Mm-hmm. Right? Put yeah. that money into your account. I mean, this is the best way in which to create what, your own personal wealth. You're paying yourself. And you're as you continue to make your payments, you're, you're, you're gaining equity in your home. And this is giving you the ability to, you know, leverage your cash flow down the road. Um, if you're in a position to buy and you plan to stay in an area longer than a year or two or three, you should absolutely look at considering buying a home. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it, it, I can't, I can't see doing otherwise. It's, right. it's better than investing in the stock market typically. Absolutely. Yeah. Bottom line that that's, that's where the rubber meets the road is you're either paying your mortgage or you're paying someone else's mortgage. Um, so yeah, you know, and I'm really, I'm really glad we invited both Dave and Shalia today because everything that you know we were talking about aligns with their thoughts as well, and they have a lot of experience in the industry, so that's comforting um, to us as well. And you know, maybe, and I think Summer's got some final takeaways that uh, she wants to discuss. Oh, I was writing notes. Um, by the way, thank you so much, Dave and Shalia. Um, for your unique perspective and um, oh, experiences. Goodness. Yeah. This is great. Anytime. Yeah. And I was busy writing notes and there's so much. A um, couple of things stood out to me. You said something about going in with open mind. Um, that is so true. You know, we, we see a lot of first time home buyers coming in and um, they want all this bells and whistle and they think that they can move into this mansion paying $300,000 <laughs> and then, you know, they soon realize that it's not going to getting them so much and they might have to go further out. Like Shilia said that, you know, um, you know, just kind of showing them, educating them, you know, to, um, provide whatever they're looking for, um, into the right, um, property. And then, um, something else stood out to me oh um it was interesting when you said uh, I, I don't remember if it was dave or shalia but most first-time home buyers want lender or to re- realtor to make decision for them yeah, that was what that, i wrote down that, that is so yeah. true i didn't even think about that yeah. when she said it's, that, that really- and and the thing is they don't even like uh think about those things and then they ask for guidance and we guide them and then later on they feel like they didn't make the decision for them so we highly recommend you first time home buyers who 
are listening, it's your responsibility at the end of the day. Uh, you have to make sure that you communicate and we are here to help you. So, you know, it's yeah. your home at the end right. of the day. And I think that's important yeah. in today's market. You know, I've even asked realtors just because I want to see what they say and see what their opinion is. is how do you feel about paying this much over the asking price or appraisal value? And in reality is only one person can make that decision. And what situation are you in? Um, do you need a home to, you know, so your kids could go to a good school? And is, is that the reasoning to purchase a house? And only the buyer can make that decision, not a realtor, not a, a lender. Um, it's, it's really in your hands. Yeah, we're here to help you. And, you know, we're doing our best to educate you along the way. But at the end of the day, you have to make the final decision. And, you know, that's the only that's way. Right. That's the only way that you you will not regret after you purchase your home. And, you know, that's better for everybody. Yep. No, that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I, I like to say, you know, real estate, being a realtor, they say you're in sales. But, you know, in reality, I don't look at myself as a salesperson. I'm not selling someone a house. I'm helping them buy a house. Mm-hmm. So I'm providing the some some background, some knowledge, some tools to help you make the best decision you can make. Yep. Um, but certainly not there to make the decision for you. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally agree with that. We're more in a relationship building and you know, we're we're the project manager. We're the, the inside. We're right. going to show you to the house. We're going to guide you through the process. We're going to explain the process many times. And, you know, it just makes sure that you understand. So I, I can speak to probably Dave at this point. What I'm saying, like, we give you all the right decisions to make the best decision for you. We just can't make it for you. Yep. Right. Yep. And another, you know, thanks again for um, both Dave and Shalia joining. We greatly appreciate your time and your talent and, and your experience here today. Um, so give us a five star review or a quick comment. If you enjoyed the topics today, visit us at iconmortgage.com to speak with our mortgage advisors. Also connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook in episode six. Imagine you just got pre-approved. Committed to a realtor. Offers accepted. The end is near. The baton is in the hands of your mortgage advisor. Is he trusted to cross the finish line? I don't know. Well, (laughs) we will talk. We will talk initial disclosures, loan submission, and then appraisal. And finally, closing disclosures. Unscripted real estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. Thank you for joining today. Planning ahead and buying smart. And remember, planning for your future as a homeowner can start today.